0: Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, finding a recruiter. Here we go. Wouldn't you say, Mark, that even if you're not looking for a job, that having a relationship with a recruiter is important? Yeah, I think so. I don't, it's probably not
1: critical for an entry-level manager. But once you get past that, once you've been an entry-level manager for a year or two, then, yeah, you've got to have one. And I just think, you know, we've talked about it before. We've done three casts on recruiters. We've done how to handle headhunters, how to contact a recruiter, uh, and maintaining relationships with recruiters. And this is a narrow niche here we're trying to fit in because so many people have asked us, okay, how do I find one, right? But look, recruiters connect you to the marketplace. It may be annoying to get calls every once in a while. Hopefully you're not annoyed, but some people do get annoyed that recruiters call and say, do you know anybody? And that's actually good because the recruiter's in touch with you, but they connect you to the market. They give you information. They, you know, the more calls they're giving you, the hotter the market is. That gives you some indication of things, all things being equal. They talk about, you know, you'll learn about salaries, about growth opportunities.
0: Some folks make this mistake, but the industry is not your company, right? Your company is not the industry is a better way right. of saying that. And sometimes folks get in the habit of thinking that what's happening in their company is what's happening in the the industry. And that's not necessarily.
1: Speaking of that, I just had a conversation. I was just on the road for two weeks and I had a conversation with somebody and I made a comment about just because your revenues don't go up doesn't necessarily mean your stock price should go up. And this guy made a comment that, yeah, I noticed that recently and I didn't understand it. I said, look, if your revenues go up by 10%, but your margins go up by 5%, the stock market is going to say your margins are deteriorating. You're growing at lower margin rates than your old business was, which means you're becoming more inefficient, to put it differently. And this person, I mean, they got it, but they didn't really want to embrace it. And I said, look, the problem is if somebody else grows 8%, but their margins grow by 15%, while you grow 10% and your margins only grow 5%, Or your margins decline, sorry, your margins go up slower than your than your revenue growth, then the stock price of the company is going to be better off and and they may have more opportunities. They may feel like that gives them more capital to do more investing. And you may think, wow, we may make more money than them, but it may be in the wrong sectors, in the low growth sectors or the low margin sectors, and that won't be rewarded in the marketplace. Not that we're trying to say that the stock market is the marketplace. It is absolutely not. But in the capital marketplace, that's where, that's where liquidity is. And this person just really didn't get the idea that my company is not the market, right? They just, they couldn't make that connection that they could be going down when the market was going up or vice versa. Absolutely.
0: I think recruiters also give you an opportunity, you know, to give back to the rest of your network, right? By passing on non-sensitive, but information nonetheless, or making referrals or whatever. And if you're connected with your, with a recruiter, you have a chance to help out some friends.
1: Yeah, we, you know, we talk about that all the time about the people who have a relationship with a recruiter and they call and say, you interested in this. And the person goes, no, I'm not. And then they don't and then they hang think a thing to offer phone. right a friend or whatever. And they don't, they haven't learned the value of being number two, which is a CEO uh, succession planning rule about, it's too hard to get into now, but if you're not willing to recommend to other people, you don't get how important it is to deal with the politics at the top of your organization. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of lots of good reasons for having a good relationship. Some of them subtle, some of them not so subtle. And I think, look, if you're a young manager, if you're an inexperienced manager, it's okay you don't know this stuff. That's why that's why I have career tools and manager tools to help you understand this stuff. So when you get your first call Or when you're looking to find one, you'll know what to do. And that's what this cast is about,
0: right? Right. So, yeah, how do you find one, right? We know we know it's important now, but how do we find one?
1: And and what we've got with this cast is we're really filling a narrow niche. We've got, as I said, we've got three casts about recruiters. We've got how to handle headhunters, executive recruiters. And since I was a recruiter for a couple of years, I always hated headhunters. I hated the, the title. Sorry, headhunters. How to contact a recruiter and maintaining recruiter relationships. This cast is very close to how to contact a recruiter, but it goes to a niche that Wendy and I get questions on all the time, which is, okay, how do I find one? How do I pick? And what we're going to recommend is three simple things. The number one thing is a personal recommendation. That's the best way to create a relationship, to pick a recruiter or recruiters. Boy, you got to get that. Recruiters for your career advancement over a five to 10-year period. The second thing you got to do, you you certainly got to be smart enough to use the web and there's all kinds of information out there. And then number three, basically our recommendation is you got to find three to five of them. You got to reach out and make contact and see what kind of connection you make. See whether or not they're open to you. See whether or not they're interested in you. And if they're not, you probably need to move on. If you don't click, you probably need to move on. Those are just three steps so that when people ask us, so when Wendy and I get asked, okay, how do I find one? How do I pick one? We'll say, we already have a cast on that.
0: There's a cast for that. Yeah, there's a cast yeah. for that. We're going to trademark that. We should. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you said the personal recommendations work best. So, so I assume what you mean by that is the best way to find a recruiter is from recommendations from your peers, whether they're in your company or not, right? Just ask people you know who have jobs that you might be interested in how they got those jobs and hook up with those recruiters.
1: Yeah, you know. I think this is part of the hidden job market and people hear the word hidden and think it's hidden because people don't want to share it. But I think you need to understand, folks, that when the market is hidden, sometimes people take advantage of the hidden market. And I don't really like that word very much, but I'm using a a bit of vocabulary that lots of managers uh, use in the world today. When they're taking advantage of the hidden market, they don't think of it as hidden. They think it's a friend of theirs calling them about something that's not yet on an open requisition list at the hiring company. And their friend says, let me get you in for an interview before it even goes on open rec. And then the moment it becomes open, my boss will make you an offer and we're done wham, bam. And so that's the kind of, quote, hidden market. The person that's in the moment doing that, having that discussion with a recruiter, for instance, they, they don't think of it as being a hidden part of the marketplace. It's not hidden to them. It's just this nomenclature that, frankly, I think a lot of writers foist on people to make them think, you don't really know what you're doing, when in fact, you listen to enough of our casts and you know enough to be just fine. So the point is, you can be really straightforward when you're asking people about this, you could say, hey, Jeff, I really admire what you guys are doing over at ABC. When I'm ready to move on, who should I talk to about opportunities there? Do you use recruiters when you recruit externally? And this is another thing people miss. People miss, first of all, your friend Jeff may have recruiters he, he knows, okay? And the company may have two or three go-to recruiters. That tends to be less true at lower levels, but it's not unheard of, and if company uses ABC recruiters, or, or let's say ABC company uses XYZ recruiters, they may use them more for senior positions, but they may use them for junior positions, and why not have a relationship with them?
0: Right. And in, in the idea is you're asking this person what recruiters they use because – Particularly if you're interested in going to that company, you'd want to be talking to recruiters that they're talking to.
1: Right. And look, and here's the thing. The reason we ask it that way, let me say it again, folks. I, Jeff, I really admire what you guys are doing over there at ABC. When I'm ready to move on, who, who should I consider talking to about opportunities over there? Do you use recruiters when you recruit externally? Okay. Asking this way leaves the door open for Jeff to say back, hey, if you want to come to work here, talk to me. I'll get you an interview. Bing, right, ding, yeah, that's exactly what I was asking. Ding, there you go. If you're good and Jeff has any sense, he'll save his company money and effort by just getting you an interview directly because recruiters are not free, the hiring company pays them.
0: Yeah, you know what I like about the way you asked it though is you want to avoid, and I understand folks wanting to avoid an awkward moment by asking in that way if Jeff doesn't want necessarily to talk to you about giving you the job, then he has an easy out, right? He just refers you to the recruiter. Exactly. Yeah. You know, lots of people are uncomfortable,
1: Jeff in this situation, are uncomfortable making that commitment. And so it, it does, as you say, it gives him an easy out. And look, while having Jeff offer to get you in is an ideal result, being referred to a recruiter is not really second best, Okay, it's not a whole jump down on the ladder rungs, if you will. It's kind of one and a half best. Knowing the recruiter that ABC, the company that Jeff works at, uses has other benefits. Okay, there's the market knowledge benefits we mentioned a minute ago. If the recruiter is recruiting for the types of roles you're interested in at ABC, they're likely to also be recruiting for similar roles at similar levels in similar companies in a similar geographic region, right? They're not going to put all their eggs in one basket. That's how recruiters work, and frankly, recruiters work in part by saying to DEF company, hey, I'm recruiting for that job over at ABC. I've got a bevy of people. You know, we're already building up our resume database. We're pretty knowledgeable about the people who have those skills. We filled three of those positions for ABC already. Why wouldn't DEF talk to them if they're a competitor with ABC? Maybe they think they have a better value proposition and they can steal some people away that would have gone to ABC if DEF had not been using the recruiter who apparently is able to find people in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. It also occurs to me that like, even if ABC company isn't currently recruiting for something you might be interested in, knowing the person who's going to get that tasking, should an opening <laughs> come up, that that's pretty useful. That's a good thing. Yeah. You can guarantee that recruiter is not
1: sitting around doing nothing if he's just because he's not recruiting for ABC. Recruiters are paid on commission. So he's going to be looking, the recruiter's going to be looking for other work. You can be pretty sure that other work is similar to the work like we alluded to at ABC because other employees want to know his track record, and the only way recruiters would develop a track record is, is to stay within some sort of niche. Okay, that's one thing. But look, don't forget the rest of your network. Start by asking the two or three or four people you know who are most likely to have contacts that will have the kind of roles you're looking for. Now, folks, here's a DISC moment for you. For those of you who are familiar with DISC, I know there are plenty of you in technology roles, and I somebody gave me a real hard time about this recently. I felt bad the way I presented it did not come across well, but I I made an overgeneralization, which wasn't fair. But I know far too many tech managers who want to be hired because there's the smartest person in the room. But there's always somebody smarter. The leverage for 90% of the managers I know, when you combine the way people get jobs... And the way people behave, the big opportunity for the vast majority of managers is developing their own network, is building internal and external networks. And I see a real weakness here among technical people who are not naturally people prone. And they poo-poo all those quote, flighty, unquote, and salesy, unquote, unquote, and even when they're in a judgmental mood, cheesy, quote, unquote, marketing people or the people who seem to know everyone. But those people who know everyone know someone who's looking for a job that you could fill. And I am stunned at the number of people who aren't willing to reach out to somebody in sales and marketing who has hundreds of contacts across their industry. And actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm not stunned that they won't reach out. And the reason they (laughs) won't reach out is they don't have a connection. They've been serving that person, perhaps. Maybe you're in an engineering role and you've been making products for the sales force. And you know people in the sales force. And I got to tell you, folks, those people in the sales force, they know the other sales people and they know the other marketing people in the other companies. They do. And so when when we say asking the two or three or four people you know who are most likely to have contacts, if you look around and those people are ten or fifteen feet from you and they have the same dismal external and internal network you do, you know, there's an opportunity for you. Again, networks, relationships. I'm sorry. You know, horseman's first law, it's all about people and second one, more communication is better. Spoken like a true engineer, right? I mean right. it's easy for me to say that. I learned it later, but man, I'm never letting go of it now.
0: Well, okay, Lady said all More communication is better. So let me ask you a question about that. Yeah, more communication is better. But what about confidentiality, right? If I start reaching out to my network, aren't I putting myself a little bit at risk here?
1: I thought you were going to ask me about how confidential this podcast is. (laughs) Dude, like 30,000 people listen to us every week. Nothing we say is confidential. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, you don't. (sighs) Okay. Is that your official answer? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get, okay. So, so my, my answer is not to worry about confidentiality, but I guess I'm a little bit surprised. I think, I think what you're doing is, is you're just making it clear for people. But look, listen to the way we worded our question to Jeff. When I'm ready to move, you don't say I'm looking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, folks, ding, you don't <laughs> say I'm looking. I want to say that Wendy and I were talking about this. She was traveling with me last week. Or maybe it's a cast we've had recently saying there is something in between totally satisfied with your job and not looking and looking, right? And it's open to new opportunities. And you can be both satisfied and, as an executive, you have to be both satisfied and open to new opportunities. Holy Toledo, right? Right. So, we don't say I'm looking. We leave it open,
0: Right. And you can say, I, I love my current position. I love my current company. Yeah. And I'm open to opportunities.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important, folks, that when we tell you to say that, we're not putting you at risk. It is completely compatible in the minds of professional, savvy, experienced managers and, and executives and professionals to say, I'm totally happy happy, and when I'm ready to move or I'm open to new opportunities. Those two things are not exclusive. Happiness where you are does not exclude more happiness somewhere else. You're not disloyal. You don't need to be confidential about this because it implies disloyalty. If it helps you to say, I'm really happy where I am, great, but you don't need to say that. You could just simply say, when I'm ready to move. Okay? And what you're doing is you're being prepared. And there's nothing wrong with that. we said this before. You're responsible for your career There are very few people I think today, I I could be wrong about this, but there are very few people today who pine for the days when their company was managing their career. I really don't. Now, there are a lot of people who haven't made the transition or they understand the transition intellectually and then prove that all true intellectual knowledge has to be turned into an emotional knowledge, which is to say motion and behavior, is they don't really know anything if they're not willing to do anything about it. All the knowledge in the world without action is, is fairly wasted. So a lot of people understand that they're supposed to manage their own career, but then don't have the network. And that's why we're here, is to try to help people build their network. And folks, it's as simple as a phone call a week or two phone calls a week and a lunch a week. That's all. It's not hard. Yeah. Executives do this all the time, folks.
0: Your next recommendation <laughs> shocked me, absolutely. When I was reading the show, it just absolutely shocked me because you being the Luddite you are and anti-Facebook, yeah. anti-Twitter... And anti, <laughs> just anti-technology <laughs> in, in general, the idea that, look at if your network doesn't work out, go ahead and use the web. I, I, I'm surprised you could actually spell it, frankly.
1: <laughs> I am anti-technology. I, I, we need to update my <laughs> packing videos. We really do. The packing videos from a couple of three years ago, whenever when I packed, I have a new suitcase smaller than the one I used to use. Still doing just fine on all my road trips. I think somebody in the forums recently said, I don't see how I could do a two-week trip. I'm like, okay, but watch the video. Can be done. And I have four smaller bags inside my larger bag. One has Macintosh accessories that I don't want to carry in my briefcase. Another one has... Apple stuff like charging cords and dongles and stuff like that. Another one has my Zoom recorder. If we have to record while I'm on the road and a couple of chargers and so on. I think a charger for my little Wi-Fi thing that we have from Verizon in case I don't have Wi-Fi or the internet anywhere. If I'm sitting in an airport or something and they don't have Wi-Fi. And then I've got toiletries. I've got four bags in my suitcase, so you open up my suitcase and you see four smaller bags laying on top of all my clothes. Uh, and yeah. I've got an iPad and a MacBook Air and other chargers and batteries in my briefcase. I am not a Luddite. <laughs> I just don't like <laughs> yeah. it. Just, I, just, I, I wonder what uh, the, the whole, whole, the whole thing, thing was about. This yeah. is, okay, yeah. proof yeah. that you're not a Luddite. Facebook, I take it Yeah, back. the, whole, I the it whole, whole Facebook thing. I'm not fundamentally opposed to Facebook. I mean, we, we know people are using Facebook. We just... In much the same way that we have a future manager tools cast, or there's a manager tools cast coming out at some point about can I be friends with my directs, and we say, hey, you can drink alcohol with your directs, you just can't say or do the stupid things you do when you're drunk with your directs. In the same way, I don't have any problem with Facebook. I have a problem with the stupid things people do with Facebook that damage their career. Right, and, and I would love Twitter, to be right? on Facebook. I, I mean, really, seriously, I, I can see now. The power of Facebook—it's a no-brainer. I'd love to be on it. The problem is, it's of limited value to me because I'm assuming I'd have thousands of friends from work, and then the stuff my family posts would be would be fodder for work. And I think that would be—and I just can't imagine having two personas online. I—I I, I can't imagine
0: updating two personas online. So I promise. So folks, take it we back. We need to do, need to do an back. update <laughs> on both Facebook and Twitter. So folks don't misunderstand where we come from on on that stuff. And again, the idea of spending all day long being interrupted every twenty seconds because somebody tweeted you is the issue, right? So yeah, yeah,
1: it's not the it's never the technology. It's never the technology. It's the behavior around the technology that matters.
0: So now back to our regular schedule. I'm not allowed.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, so, yeah, look, you got to use the web. It's a no-brainer. Now, look, if you feel like you need to use the web, if you've come to step two after quickly listening to us ramble on, okay, I'm sorry, listening to me ramble on about personal recommendations for recruiters, this is a clue to you. Go back to step one and ding yourself that your personal network is not good enough and you do have to use the web, okay? Because that's a sign for you. Whether you're deciding to use a recruiter or not, your network we recommend it be solid. If it's not solid enough that you have to come use the web in step two, it's not solid enough.
0: Here's your sign.
1: Yeah, here's your right. So look for job advertisements for the kind of roles you're interested in, in the right salary bracket, right geographic area. What is the question I always ask my friends when they ping me and say, I'm looking to do something else. Okay, what do you want to do and where do you want to do it? Not hard. And, and basically, you're looking for the recruiters who deal in your niche. So you need to find the jobs in in that niche first, right? When you're looking, look for really well-written advertisements with plenty of detail. Okay, Advertisements, folks, are a recruiter's shop window. Since you want to work with someone who's a professional, someone whose written work makes sense and doesn't contain spelling errors, is a pretty good start. And you'd be surprised how many companies slapdash something together, and, and recruiters do not do that. Good recruiters totally work in partnership with their clients. Short advertisements in general. Okay. If they have minimal detail lead us to conclude that the recruiter didn't have a long conversation with the client and they didn't take time to understand the needs. And if they didn't, they're likely just throwing resumes at the client and there's no screening and therefore there's no quality differentiation associated with you being put in front of the client. The client essentially says, this person's just no one. Or someone who technically meets our requirements rather than someone who's been been vetted by the recruiter, right? So, then you go further. Look at the recruiting company's website. Work out how many jobs this recruiter is working on. And by the way, we're not looking at vast quantities. It's difficult for a recruiter to effectively work more than 10 or even, God, I know 20 is possible, but it's a real stretch. Hmm. OK, it probably will happen in the next couple of years. This this cast is going to come out in 2011. We try to keep these things timeless rather than timely. But in the next couple of years, I think they will be you know, recruiters stretched. The, the market, the, the recruiting field has thinned out in the downturn. This always happens. And recruiters will be stretched in the next couple of years as the market expands. The talent market expands. They'll hit 20 and their bosses will say, OK, we need some help because we're just not keeping up with the client demands. Now, if a recruiter working on some really senior roles, C-suite, EVP, SVP, and so on, they may only have five open hunts that they're doing at the time. Now, look, we're not saying you only want to make contact with somebody who only has one job. On the other hand, as a caveat to that caveat, if you're looking now and the job they have is the perfect role for you, of course you want to reach out and make a contact with them. A good recruiter will have a constant flow of roles through their hands because, because their clients will return time after time because that recruiter has done a good, good work for that client. Recruiters are paid by the employer, not the employee, and employers measure the recruiter's success by their ability to find the right person at the right time. Okay. Repeat assignments are basically a determination of recruiter success.
0: Okay. So how many recruiters do I need to? To find and make contact with. I mean I, I I might be able to find ten. Do I need to have a relationship with ten no, recruiters? You, don't, give you don't,
1: Mike, you don't need any recruiters because I'm, I'm <laughs> trust me. If you need a raise, let me know. I'm be happy to I appreciate uh, You that. know, take take my money. Just <laughs> don't go anywhere. I, the general rule is three to five, right? This is the funny thing. This is the thing that surprises people when I tell them this. Wendy and I have had this conversation about People just don't get it. Recruiters like to give you the impression that once you've made contact, you're kind of going steady with them, right? Yeah, well, you know, I'm taking care of you. That's what the recruiter would say. The idea is you aren't supposed to be in contact with anyone else. It's none of their business, folks, if you're in contact with anyone else. Remember one of Horseman's laws about questions. You're entitled to an honest answer to any question to which you're entitled to an answer meaning when the recruiter says, are you talking to anybody else? Say, well, of course not. They're not entitled to a truthful answer about that question. It's an inappropriate question. They're attempting to use your honor against you. Because I because trust me, folks, here's the funny thing. They don't want you to talk to any other recruiters. They're talking to other candidates about your dream job. And some of the candidates they're talking to you about your dream job couldn't care less about that job and the recruiter knows it, but knows they need to send a full field over. And that per, that candidate, who doesn't care a thing in the world about it, may in fact be a better fit for that company and may in fact get the offer before you. And that's okay with the recruiter as long as the company hires the person, even though that's your dream job and the recruiter said, you shouldn't be talking to anybody else now. Let me just take care of you here. Recruiters like to have long lists of exclusive candidates. This is so, gosh, I wish I could... I just want to shake people and go, dudes, get this, please. They will talk to you as if you shouldn't have any other relationships while they have tons of other relationships. That is an inappropriate ask for them. It is unprofessional for them to do it. Most of them know it. If they don't know it, they're in fantasy land. Now, there there are some companies who are smaller who say we only work with a few people. And I'm happy to hear from them and have them tell me, no dude, you're totally wrong. And I'd say, okay, r- rare exception. But 98% of the recruiters in the world have multiple contacts with candidates. That's the way it works. And by definition, you can have multiple contacts with a recruiter. Now, if you hear an executive being interviewed and he says, you know, I've known my guy at Russell Reynolds, you know, I, I've known my guy at, I was about to say Hamburg and Quest only because I just read about a placement at Hamburg and Quest, but, um, you know, I've known my guy at XYZ, or some other talent agency. That's different, right? And what's interesting is, He's not saying he's the only guy I'm talking to. It just so happened that that was the one that got him the latest job. And the way it's written, the way it's talked about, oh, yeah, they're friends. This is the guy who always gets him the jobs. But look, if I'm John Q. Executive and the company I've always wanted to go to work for has hired some other firm to do some search, and my guy, my best friend recruiter is at Russell Reynolds, I'm not obligated to to stay in some sort of unofficially exclusive but really not exclusive relationship with Russell Reynolds if, in fact, Russell Reynolds can't get me the job at my ideal company. That's just not the way it works. It is a free marketplace on both sides of the coin.
0: Right. So you wind your choices by being in contact with multiple recruiters. That's for sure. But how many is too many?
1: Yeah, well, look, I don't think anybody listening to the show can handle more than five relationships. The vast majority I know that are listening to the show have zero. Let's not go overboard, right? I I would say 90% of the people listening to the show ought not to have more than three, and there are 10% listening who could go up to five. But it's a relationship, and you have to manage that relationship, folks. Don't have five and not do anything with all five. You'd be better off with two that you work with really – hard to try to find opportunities for you and that you call them with a guy that you've just met in another part of your company and say, look, you need to know this guy because he's an up and comer. In fact, I remember telling somebody, do you have any recruiter relationships? He says, sure. I said, this guy over here in the department, you need to let him know about that guy. Oh, I wouldn't want to be seen as taking somebody away from my company. I said, the guy just joined your company a year ago from a competitor. You don't think he's looking elsewhere? You're nuts. Right? I said, use this as an opportunity. Now, I'm not saying Tell your recruiter buddy, steal him away from us. But you simply don't act as if, oh, our good people, I don't talk to them at all. Because if the recruiter is any good, she knows who's good in your company. And if you don't mention any of the good people and she knows who they are, they think you're the sixth man on the B team deal in your company. And that doesn't bode well for you. And they will refer you to less companies because you clearly don't know the good people whom they already do. Yeah, not good. good. I know it sounds like I know it sounds like chess folks, but that's kind of what it is. Uh, But look, recruiters want that exclusive candidate because the right employer has to go through the recruiter to get that one particular person. That's supply and demand. Right. But being an exclusive candidate is not in your interest. Each recruiter has a list of client companies. You know, you, you take a, you take a Venn diagram of, of clients and multiple recruiters and recruiters and multiple clients and you realize you just can't put all your eggs in one basket. You widen your choices by being in contact with multiple recruiters. And to your point, you know, too many is is more than you can handle. And I think the vast majority of folks listening have none. And so I think three is probably the upper limit. But again, for a few, five is probably tolerable. If a company receives your resume from five different recruiters, they're probably going to draw conclusions about your availability, which may not be positive to you. So two to three is really the sweet spot, I think, for the most people listening here. If the first one you speak to is brilliant, you feel a total rapport, you want to be exclusive, that's fine, okay? And by the way, we'll come to, there's another part of it, we've got to refer you to some other cast here in terms of the subtleties of that. The reason we recommend you find between three and five during your search is that you may not feel any rapport with the first couple you call, or you might not feel they're professional, or you might not feel they have the right roles for you after all. We're leaving some room there for one or two of those recruiters to drop out of your consideration, you're going to end up with two or three left. And again, I've alluded to it twice now. There are other podcasts on this topic about contacting recruiters. How to handle headhunters, that's the first one. How to contact recruiter, and this one kind of fits in between them. How to handle headhunters talks about there's a great bit of background there. It's one of those areas where it's not really actionable. But in order to be an effective, actionable professional when it comes to recruiters, you've got to know the difference between contingency firms and retained firms, and so on. That that's important. And so we've got a little bit of background in, in the first one, how to handle the hunters, and then how to contact a recruiter. This one really dovetails very close with that. It almost fits a niche right in the front of that one. And based on your picking, then how to contact you, contact them will will help you. Develop the relationship further, and I'll give you exact words to say when you call them, much like we did in this cast. And then maintaining recruiter relationships is obviously staying in touch and making sure that you've learned the value of if not me, then who. And that's a big part of. Your professional life, folks, if you're a young manager or you're starting to get some experience under your belt and and recruiters are going to play a role in your future, not every industry, not all the time, not every geography, but most geographies, most industries, recruiters play an important role in making a market, connecting the supply and the demand because individuals can't always find it and companies can't always find it. You've got to know um, how to maintain that relationship. And if not me, who is a really important part of that.
0: Good. So when this comes out, folks, if you go to the website, www.manager-tools.com, this podcast will have in the upper right-hand corner, there's a section of the, the sidebar that says related content, and we'll have links to the podcast that Mark just mentioned there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Good. So, wrapping up, dude, I think uh, we got three points. Personal recommendations are the way to go, and we made some suggestions for how to do that. Obviously, you can use the web to find out, to, to figure out, okay, which recruiters are working with which companies. And then find three to five and make contact. And we've touched on that, but really we've got a whole nother cast on that, how to contact a recruiter. Look, folks, finding a recruiter is easy. Finding a good one is harder. Getting a personal recommendation is really the ideal way to go. Okay, you can use the web. And hopefully before you do that, you'll recognize, oops, network issue here. Have to work on that. But be discerning when you use the web. Your career depends on recruiters to some extent. There are rare exceptions. So because it does depend on them, you want to be sure you're talking to the right person. And that means you making a good choice.
0: Excellent. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.